Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want to ask you to join me in the book of Jeremiah 18. This is a passage that I just dearly love. And we're going to read a few scriptures from here and then we're going to move to another another passage. So if you'll keep your Bibles open and... and uh, Let's just ask the Lord to touch us today and just speak something very special to our heart. Now, as you know, on our fifth Sunday, um, some of the ladies and the men, our families, have brought their dinner here to church, and it's back there in the annex. I forgot something in my office a moment ago, and I had to run back there during the singing and uh, some of the worship service. And when I walked in the door, my, my, I don't even know how they're having Sunday school out there. <laughs> it would be very hard to stay focused with that aroma. But uh, so we're going to have a good time of fellowship. So don't, don't leave this afternoon and run away too quickly. Let's have a good time of fellowship. But before we do, why don't we dine, if we can, on the word of the Lord. The book of Jeremiah 18 and 1, the scripture says, The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Today I want to preach to you from this subject, treasures from the clay. Treasures from the clay, and you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Many years ago, um, my wife and I were preaching in a church for some friends of ours, and it just so happened that there was a lady in their church who was uh, into pottery and, and into making pottery and we had the privilege one afternoon to go over to her house and I'm sure many of you if you haven't seen it live you've seen at least uh, some depiction of a potter working with clay on the wheel and uh, when you just see them in the very inception of this reach down into that bucket and roll it all up and just literally slap it on the wheel it just, it just seems so crude in its beginning. But as we watched her that afternoon begin to shape and mold her hands, knowing exactly how much pressure to apply and just what to do, to just watch from an absolute clump of nothing, something begin to shape and take form and fashion. And then around her house, there all of the many things that had already been finished and and placed in the kiln and dried and things of that nature. To see that from its very inception treasures 
that were from the clay. I've always been intrigued by people that can look at something that someone may deem as trash and see the value in it or see the treasure in it. There are people that will wait patiently. Some of you are here today. <laughs> they will wait patiently out in the, on Friday and Saturday waiting for somebody to just stick that sign up announcing a yard sale and, uh, <laughs> uh, and you, you know, th th there are people that just ride around on Friday looking for those signs. And, and depending on how many signs they find on Friday, they don't even get a good night's sleep Friday night just thinking about what's about to take place the next day. I'm trying my best not to make eye contact with at least one man <laughs> in this church. <laughs> They are waiting so they can rummage through one man's trash in search of a hidden treasure. And it is so true that one man's trash often is another man's treasure. I remember many years ago reading an article about the early years and the early career of a man that we all know as Elvis Presley. Many people amazingly told him as a young man that he would never make it in the entertainment industry. He had many people that would not even agree to record, some that would not even allow him to come and sing at various venues because they just didn't feel like that he had what it took in order to be a singer or an entertainer. However, there was one man by the last name of Parker that first heard Elvis sing and, and instantly there was just something in there despite the naysayers, despite perhaps even a little bit of the wounded spirit of the man that was now performing in front of him, he realized there's something here and there may be something worth taking a chance on. Maybe there is, maybe there is a worthwhile investment here. Well, I believe that he certainly realized later he had made the right decision. Norman Vincent Peale, a well-known and successful author of many books, has, I believe, an interesting note of hope as well in his past. The book that we know most about or probably think the first about when we think of Norman Vincent Peale was his book entitled The Power of Positive Thinking. While it was still in manuscript form, uh, I did know the figure, but while it was still in manuscript form, it was turned down again and again and again and again. As a matter of fact, in not just a moment of frustration, but an absolute moment of confessed depression in the life of Norman Vincent Peale, he took the manuscript of the power of positive thinking and threw it in the trash can. His wife was aware of his condition and aware of everything that he was facing and how discouraged and despondent he was about this and so when he walked away and oblivious to what she was about to do, she went to the trash can, retrieved that manuscript, and on her own, she decided, I'm gonna try it one more time. Just maybe one more publisher. It was that company that picked up the book and it stayed on the top sellers list for a long time and it has been read by literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people today influencing them in a very positive way, encouraging them through seasons of desperation. 
his wife, his wife saw an untapped vein of talent and she was willing to keep pushing for something that she believed in. And aren't you thankful that some people have the ability to just see beyond all of the mess <laughs> and realize there's something of great value here. There's something of great value. That is the ability of the artist, the ability of the artist. They can look into something unfinished and they possess the ability to see it finished. And I, I, I pray to be very sensitive to the spirit of God for things like this, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. I want to sense, I want to sense the spiritual potential that people have in their lives. I say many times, it, it's, it kind of is convenient to say this at baby dedications and things of that nature, but it's certainly not the only time. As a matter of fact, this would be a great moment to mention this right now because one of our small aged Sunday school classes are coming in to join us right now. And when I see these children marching in line, when I see them coming down the sidewalk, when I see them joining us in our adult Bible class, many, many times my mind just drifts a little bit and I wonder just how much potential there is right there in the lives of those young children. And so long before you get frustrated because they cry out and interrupt uh, the service in your opinion or they do something that, uh, I'm not talking about children that are off the chain, but I'm just talking about <laughs> long before you get frustrated because they, they cry out and interrupt our perfect world. Never, never underestimate the value of some hidden treasure that may re really be locked up in their young lives. The artist, the artist that can look at something unfinished, but they can realize that in there is some talent and ability, and I appreciate that, and I want to be sensitive to that. As we consider Jeremiah 18, <coughs> once again, to think that something as common as clay, God could give mankind talent and ability to see beyond the thing that most of us would probably just refer to as mud. But to the artist, they see a hidden treasure. The mind and the hands of the artist are intrigued to say the least, intrigued to say the least, to get their hands upon it and start molding and shaping and pushing and pulling and realizing that I believe, given the right conditions and the right amount of time, that I can make a treasure out of that that you call mud. Several months ago, my wife and I had the privilege to be in another city. We were on a coastal city and, and uh, we were uh, going to eat and we were eating, uh, going out to a restaurant there to eat and as we were making our way to the restaurant, there was a man who had a booth set up outside and, and uh, he was an artist that worked with glass. And uh, so he just sat there and began to create things live and, and uh, the people were gathered all around and so I just couldn't help but to stop on the way in. Here's a man that's just taking rods of raw glass and, and a fire and he's just sitting there at, and he's just talking to the audience. He's, he was quite an entertaining man to talk to and, and so as he was just talking, he was just working the whole time with his hands and and uh, I had no idea, of course, as well as probably no, nobody else in the audience what he was doing, but he knew all about what he was doing. And because we were near the coast, he was making a lot of things that were uh, nautical, uh, nautical in nature. And so 
as he would just work and you just, at first it was just a glob of glass and then after a while you begin to realize he's, hey, he's making a dolphin and how, how did you bring that to life, right? Right there and right in, in, in just before us, I was so intrigued that after we finished our meal, I had to go back out and stand around just a little while because I'm intrigued that a man can just look at rods of glass and say, you know what? I believe I can make something of value out of this. I believe that I can do something that will, that will take this far from the raw material and bring it into something that will be uh, value of, of great value. And so I, I was thankful for that, amazed at how he could do that. In his mind, I believe that he would see that before it even existed, of course. The ability to look at a blank canvas and then just to envision the finished product uh, that's a true gift. Uh, many times in pioneer day situations or in the mall or whatever, we've all walked past an artist that was standing there and you could stand and watch them paint and especially those that have the brushes and do the mountains and the, and the trees and it just seems like with just a, a touch here, a twist there, uh, it, it just all comes to life. I'm sure Many of you are, are like me in this sense as I stand there and watch someone with great ease and it just seems like very, very little effort bring those mountains to life and that stream to life and those trees and those birds. I get to thinking, I could do that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're just, it just looks so arbitrary. It, it just seems like the strokes are so random and yet a bird now is in the sky and a, and a tree is there and, and a lake and, and, and it just seems like, and, and, and I realize that I do possess the ability to hold a brush. I do believe that I can make my hand jot in and out over and over and over, but what, what's missing in my life is the ability to see that blank canvas finished. It's not about whether or not I could hold uh, the little board that holds all the, 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 the colors of paint. It's not about whether or not I could hold the brush and, 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 and figure out what colors to put together. The inability is, is far beyond that. I don't know how to look at something blank and see it finished, but I'm glad God's not that way. I'm glad the Lord doesn't just look at the blankness of our life stand scratching his head and say, I wonder what I'm gonna do with this. God has a plan. I talked about that Wednesday night. Before we were even born, God had a plan for our lives. And when we were born into the kingdom and the kingdom cause, he was not perplexed as to what to do with us now. Now, where can I find a place to plug him in or her in? No, God knows about the treasure. One treasure that bears mention in the United States of America is found in Keystone, South Dakota. Between 1927 and 1941, one artist gathered some 400 workers for a project that would intrigue millions upon millions. Together, sculpted, they sculpted the 60-foot busts of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. Together, they represent the first 150 years of American history. Although I have yet to see it in person, I'm impressed, to say the least, that someone has the ability to just stop at a mountainside of granite and say, you know what? I believe I can, I can bring four presidents back to life out of the side of that mountain. Amazing, the years and the millions of dollars that were invested to bring this into fruition. In addition, this saint man was also the artist behind the Confederate depiction 
of the side of the huge granite rock that most of us, many of us know as Stone Mountain, Georgia. Men as well as women that are talented artists have helped shape pieces of our own nation in its history and even our world. However, men and women of recent history are certainly not the ones that have proven to be the people are the only ones certainly of tremendous insight. There's a passage of scripture that has struck a particular note in my life and I wanna share that with you today in the book of 1 Kings chapter seven. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter seven, beginning reading with verse number 46, and in the plain, in the plain of Jordan did the king cast them. In the plain of Jordan did the king cast them. In the clay ground between Succoth and Zarthan. Then Solomon left all the vessels unweighed because they were exceeding many. Neither was the weight of the brass found out. And Solomon made all the vessels that pertained unto the house of the Lord, the altar of gold, the table of gold, whereupon the shoe bread was, and the candlesticks of pure gold, five on the right side and five on the left, before the oracle with flowers and the lamps and the tongs of gold, and the bowls and the snuffers and the basins and the spoons and the censers of pure gold and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the house to wit of the temple. So was ended all the work that, the king, that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord and Solomon brought all the things which were David his father had, which David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. I know that was a lot of reading today, but I just wanted you to get the picture here. This passage contains the story of another man that was very insightful, and I think this particular passage gives to us some real valuable information, something that we ought to take home with us at least. There was something about this clay pit. The Bible says that Solomon, when he saw this pit, and it gives us approximately where it was located, Solomon, something in his heart said, you know what, I think I need to purchase this clay pit. I think I need to buy this clay pit. Maybe there were other people in uh, in places of influence in Solomon's life. Maybe some of the men closest to him uh, were kind of looking at it like just another piece of real estate. They were thinking, Solomon, why? why in the world would you buy this clay pit? What value is there in that clay? But something in the heart of Solomon understood, a spirit of discernment, if it were, something here that perhaps no one else was able to see. Here in this obvious valley was a clay pit that would no doubt be the last place in the world that many people would look in order to find something of value. But listen again to verses 45 and 46. The Bible says in the pots and the shovels and the basins and all these vessels which Hiram made to the King Solomon for the house of the Lord were of bright brass. In the plain of Jordan did the king cast them in the clay ground between Succoth and Zarthan. It was here in this place, it was here in this little valley where all the vessels of brass were made from the ingredients of the sand and the clay that was found in the valley. In addition to the vessels of brass that came out of the content of this particular valley, 
The Bible says that the clay was dampened. Our history teaches that the clay was dampened and then beaten into form, into forms or molds, if you please, for all the other precious metals. And so not only was some of it used to make the vessels, but uh, others of it were used to make molds where they could pour in the gold and the silver. These molds served to form instruments that were destined to be a part of the vessels that were gonna be used in the temple of God, not just ordinary spoons, not just ordinary goblets. See, we're not just making something to try to put some forks and knives and spoons in the drawer, but we're making something here that's gonna be so valuable. They're gonna be used in the very service of the kingdom of God, amen. And here is this gold and this silver made and all these vessels made taken right out of the most unlikely place the most unlikely place. The valley has long represented low places in our lives. We often refer to our life as being either up on the mountain or down in the valley. Of course, the mountain represents times of strength, times of growth, seasons of victory. Of course, amen, we know on the other hand, the valley is referred to as times of disappointment or times of discouragement, yet it was in this valley, this valley where a lot of garbage was thrown, this valley where a lot of people said, I don't know if any good thing can come from that or anything can happen positive out of that. But Solomon, this wise man, looked and he beheld the potential of the ground. He didn't just look at mud. He didn't just look at clay and think we may could get a little bit of brass here. But Solomon said, I believe this is made of the right thing. This can be the mold. It's not going to be the vessel. Hear me now. This is not going to be the vessel in some instances, but it's going to be the mold that I'm going to use to shape the vessel. I, hear, I want you to hear me this morning when I tell you that God has many people that are a part of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is made up of many, many men and women and we all serve a very specific purpose. And I'll tell you today that there are vessels in this house that God has used all throughout the years. They may be what we would refer to in some instances, unsung heroes. There are silent voices that work behind the the scenes. There are those that are working in Sunday school classes, those that are working in children's church, those that are working in student ministries, those that are working in various outreach ministries or inreach ministries that maybe their name is not on the screen. Maybe we don't hear a lot about what they even do or how they do it or how often they do it, but what they are, they are that clay that has been beaten, that clay that has been pressed, that, pray, that clay that has been made as something that would form something else, that would shape something else and that something else is gonna be something that is gonna be gold and silver and used in the service of the house of the Lord. I'm here today to tell you that whether you are the finished product, that golden scepter or that golden vessel that is seen for one and seen by all, that is praised and prized and treasured or whether you are the one that just simply in the shadows of the night, in the obscurity of hidden hands ministries were shaping and forming and molding. Amen. You today are as just, just as equally in value as anything else this day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was 
I, I was thinking just a few days ago, we were in Ocala for our district conference and uh, Brother Jerry Jones was our guest speaker and he has served for many, many years now as our general secretary for, for the United Pentecostal Church. But Brother Jones has been on the scene a, a long time, many, many years, has worked at headquarters before in other capacities and has pastored many, several churches, at least there in the St. Louis area, Missouri area. And, and I, 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 I only know that this and because I've heard him preach at other times and talk about where he where he came from and and the humble beginnings and he referred to this as a matter of fact one night at the end of one of his messages at our district conference about how uh, that that a man a man went to a place called Hog Pond, Louisiana and started a church. I'm I'm not thinking that the list was very long for somebody that wanted to go to Hog Pond to start a church, but somebody went to Hog Pond and started a church and just kept the doors open and when one preacher would come for a little while and leave, there was one of the men in the church that wasn't called, to, he was called to preach, but he knew he wasn't called to pastor and so he would kind of hold that congregation together until somebody else could come and somebody else came and stayed there just a little while and, 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 and they moved on and, and again, this man just kept everything going, just kept everything going until finally the the man that was supposed to be there finally got there and he served decades there in that church and, and, and then Brother Jones began to talk about I believe some 42 preachers that have come out of that church many of them, several of them have served on, on the general board, are you hearing me today? Amen, they were, they were God said I gotta have some vessels, I gotta have people that I can use and I, I stood there sitting on the platform that night thinking uh, about this, that very story that Brother Jerry Jones himself. We have the value and the privilege of him uh, touching our lives and challenging us ministerially. He is the vessel. He is a golden scepter or a golden cup, a golden fork if you please but somebody you see before we could ever have that vessel had to say I'm willing to serve as a mold. I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. They're unsung heroes. We may never know the Sunday school teachers that taught him as a young man. We may not never meet those men and women that just helped to raise him and to nurture him and to mold and to shape him. He today is a vessel of God being used in, in a high profile sense if we can put it that way but you see long before that could ever take place somebody somebody had to realize that if I can just be the material that helps mold another generation hear me this morning when I see these children walk into this church I don't just see them as somebody that has the potential to color on our walls and then have to repaint it I don't just see them as somebody that has the ability to trample down a hedge and we're going to have to buy another plant I I see them and I wonder if that is gonna be the next youth leader. I wonder if that is the next Sunday school director. I wonder if that, hear me today, I wonder, oh hallelujah, I wonder if the next pastor or shepherd of this church, amen, is sitting right at our feet today. Oh, I say dear God, help us in this hour to realize there are some treasures that we can pull out of this clay. Don't underestimate the value of what God is doing in their lives. We've had the privilege to meet and shake hands with some fine home missionaries that have gone into cities where there were no churches and they just begin to dig 
believe and to pull and to pray and give birth to a church. We've had the privilege to shake hands with some fine foreign missionaries that have said, I'm willing to leave the comfort of the United States of America and go around the world. And we've had the privilege to shake their hands, some of them who have gone into communist countries and they have given birth to churches. Are you hearing me today? They could be sitting here among us this morning. Amen. There are some treasures that are in the clay of this very church. And so if we cannot be hear me today, amen, don't throw in the towel just because you can't be the golden cup, don't give up because you can't be used to be the vessel to pour the oil if you could say this morning, if I can just be the mold, if I can just be the one to help form and to shape, if I can be the one to touch their lives and positively influence their lives, then we too will experience treasures from the clay. Oh, God, help us to look beyond. Help us to look beyond the faults and and look beyond the things that are wrong and see what's right and to be an encourager. We ought to encourage our Sunday school teachers. Amen. Whether you have children in their class or not, you ought to encourage your Sunday school teachers. Because I'm gonna tell you, some days on the way home, they, they ride home a little frazzled. They drive home wondering, I don't even know if I connected today. As a matter of fact, there may be one or two back, they're still tied up right now. Our ushers always go back through there after Sunday school just to make, make sure somebody didn't get the upper hand on them. So the, they may look a little shell shocked right now. They may be a little frazzled right now. We need to encourage them. We need to strengthen them. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not. A, it's not for the faint of heart. But you know what? Somebody said, "I'll teach that Sunday school class." I know my name may not be on the marquee. My name may not be on the sign out front. Some of you, as a matter of fact, I would venture to say the vast majority of this church don't even know who our Sunday school teachers are. And if I could just confess to you today, there are many times. I don't even know who our Sunday school teachers are. Well, that shocked a few of you. I don't worry about that because we've got good people in charge of that. So I can sleep through the night and not have to worry about that. We do discuss those things. I don't want to make Brother Darrell and Sister Amy look bad there. I'm just telling you that there are seasons of time. I walk by the classroom and say, well, I didn't know you was teaching. God bless you and thank you for doing that. But I appreciate that. But you may not know who they are. You may not know who they are. You ought to find out who they are. You ought to say, I want to encourage you. I want to thank you for doing that. You know why? Because they're the molds. They're the molds that are shaping lives. They're the molds that are helping us. They're the molds that are touching us. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, they are. I mentioned, I, I referred to this a few services ago and Please just let me go back here if you don't mind. I, I, I was thinking about a few weeks ago when Sister Boyd and I were away and, and uh, I, I'm thankful for the privilege to be invited to go anywhere and speak but I'll tell you now, this is my favorite place to be and the favorite pulpit and so when we're out preaching somewhere, we're not shopping. Uh, well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh Lord, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. We're not shopping out for another church to be in, is what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I just should have left this whole thing alone. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're out trying to do and do, 
all this kind of business. We know where God has placed us and we're content with that. But here's what I thought about while we were gone. Let me get back to my thought. Please come back with me now. <laughs> I was just thinking while we were there and, and, and you were here having church and, and there, were, there were a couple of things that happened to us while we were there, very specific, how God used people that we had never even met to minister to us and to meet us right where we were. And I'm gonna tell you that I came home and she came home a better pastor and a better pastor's wife. You know why? Because somebody touched our lives. Somebody shaped us. Somebody molded us. Somebody, hear me, are you, uh, I want you to understand that and, and, and realize that, that, that when we are here, are, are not here, and somebody's had the privilege to help mold us and shape us and maybe to, 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 to polish this area of our life or knock a rough a jagged edge off of that area of our life. I say, oh Lord, thank you for that so much. Thank you for that so much. I feel like testifying here today. I, I just never thought I would say this. This morning didn't cross my mind, but Friday night we were scheduled to be in a service. It was a time of celebration for some dear friends of ours, brother and sister Olson in Jacksonville, celebrating their 30th anniversary. And, and, and my wife wasn't feeling good. And we don't talk about this publicly a lot, but she wasn't feeling good and didn't know if she was going to be able to go. And, 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 and I I, I told her twice, I said, just don't worry about it. I'll go by myself or I'll stay home with you. And she just said, no, I just feel like I need to be there. I just feel like I need to be there. I want to be there. And, and I knew she didn't feel like going as far as physically feel like going. We drove and made our way there. And, and through the service, I kept looking at her to make sure that she was all right. And, and then at the end of the service, at the end of the service, we all kind of got broke up into some prayer. And, and we were just worshiping the Lord. And in a little while, I looked across I looked across the building, Brother Kenny, I saw my wife had her hands laid on her. I didn't even know who the lady was. I didn't recognize her. As a matter of fact, when I first saw, I couldn't even see the lady's face, but I saw her hands. Just hang on with me here. I saw her hands laid on her head, and I saw the look on her face. I recognized that look. I, I couldn't hear her praying, but I recognized that prayer. I knew that she was interceding for someone, and I looked across that building, Brother Polk, and I said, this is why we're here. I know the sign and the brochure said we're here to celebrate 30 years but I realized that God had brought somebody all the way from the state of Mississippi hallelujah that needed prayer they needed not just anybody to pray for them they needed somebody to pray for them that knew right where they were it was another pastor's wife that has the same thing going on in her life that my wife has going on and God said I'm going to use you I'm going to use you are you hearing me today I don't want to miss these opportunities. I don't want to miss those seasons. I don't want to miss those chances. Oh, God, help us to realize there, there's some value to what we're trying to do here today. There's some real value to what we're trying to accomplish here in this house. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's love the Lord, can we? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If with our natural eyes only we were allowed to see what's really sitting in this church today, if with our natural eyes only we could really see what's sitting in this church today, we may well wonder how in the world would we ever accomplish anything. If I could peer, don't be offended, but if I could peer 
into what thoughts this man had this week that might not be pure. Amen. I'm not talking about Jerry Herndon. I'm just, he just sitting here. If I could just peer into his mind. If I could look into the heart of Everett Bird and see, oh, I know, we call him Big E. He's just, he's the Big Easy. He's just easy going. He's just wonderful. Blind Benjamin Cricket could tell us a little bit different. <laughs> if we could, with our natural eyes, see what's really here. I'm, I'm going to stop right here. <laughs> woo, he said, woo, woo. But I'm coming over here. <laughs> if with our natural eyes we could really see, we might be on, oh, Lord, how could we ever accomplish anything? How could we ever accomplish anything? All I see is mud, mud. Mud, 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 mud. But when the artist comes in, the artist dips down, <laughs> slaps it on. It may be mud now, but give me a little while. It may be mud now, but just give me a little while. We may see some people that walk into this building and their lives are so undone and so fragmented. Their lives are just shattered. And we think, how in the world could it ever be any different? And how in the world could we ever start? How in the world could we ever see an end result here? I'm thankful for the passage of Scripture where the Scripture talks about in the building of Solomon's house, in the building of that temple. He said, you need to get some carpenters and you need to get some men that can work stone and you need to get men who know how to beat brass and, and beat gold. But he also said, don't forget the menders. You're gonna need some menders. You're gonna need some people there that when something gets bent, somebody can mend that. You need somebody there that when something gets tweaked out of control, I've preached on this before, you've got somebody in the house that knows how to mend that. Not just somebody that knows how to saw a board. Not just somebody that knows how to beat out gold. Not just somebody that knows how. Not just somebody that knows how to take nothing and make something for it, from it. But he said, we need among this group some menders. I'm telling you this morning, I'm so honored to call this place the church that I have the privilege to pastor. And I'm doubly honored to say that in this house, we have a lot of skilled men and women. But you know what we have beyond that? We've got some menders in this house that when broken people come in and wounded people come in. We don't walk around with our legal pad and try to check mark everybody's fault and their frailty. Woo! Hallelujah! But we got some menders that say we can love them as they are. We'll work and mold and shape and we'll, when we are done, when we are finished, we will mend them. We will mend them. God, let there always be menders in the church. Mm. Let there be menders in the church. Whew, hallelujah. Mm, you bend your car, you have an accident, and somehow it seems like a big deal to us, but it's not a big deal to a mender. They already know. They know just exactly what they're going to need to do to just keep rubbing that and bending it out, pulling and tweaking and twisting. They already know what to do. And so if we see with natural eyes, we would only just see the mistakes and the failures. But God looks beyond those fractures. God looks beyond those oddities. And he sees the true ability 
that's lying there as an untouched vein of opportunity. Some of you old timers, forgive me for leaving some, for using an illustration that's gonna leave so many people out, but some of you old timers remember Brother Charlie Mahaney. Somebody had to say, I'll mend him. I had the privilege to meet Brother Mahaney and, and I, I'm very honored and humbled by that, but I wanna tell you what I consider to be the greatest privilege I met through the man who won him to God. He stood before and gave a presentation one day to the district board and, and he was talking about soul winning. And he talked about us, to us about all those Sunday mornings that he went over to Charlie Mahaney's house and, and had to give him enough coffee to give him sober enough to get him to church. Get him back on his feet. Charlie fall off the wagon again, Brother Mahaney. He said, I just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. Somebody said, I can mend. I'll mend that. And they kept loving him and loving him and loving him and loving him, loving him and loving him. And there's probably been very few people that's had the impact in our organization that Charlie Mahaney had. And so we need some menders, and I need our musicians to come. I don't want to preach past the moment. But I pray that somehow, you know what, Brother Chris, if you just come back and sing that same song, it would be probably all right. I'm just so glad that somehow we could just look at the lives of people and realize how God sees them. There are so many broken and confused lives, but you know what? We don't know today that what some of those most broken and fractured people may preach one of the greatest revivals of all times. Young people, young men, young women that are sitting right here under the sound of my voice this morning that have made horrible mistakes. They've made wrong decisions. They turned left when they should have turned right. But you know what? They're sitting here today determined to allow the hand of God to touch them one more time. And you mark my word today. You call this whatever you want to call it. But you mark my word today. In doing so, some of those young men and some of those young women that are sitting in this building today are future leaders in this church. Amen, they are future leaders. Solomon, I, Solomon, I heard you bought the old clay pit. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking, man? <laughs> what do you think? What are you thinking, Solomon? Why'd you buy the old clay pit? Well, you'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Common men called it mud. But Solomon said, I believe I see something more. We've got the ingredients for brass. We can, we can mold this together and come up with brass. But we can shape what's left and we can pour molten metal in there and it'll form something that'll be used for the glory of God and so if you could fast forward the tape and now walk into the temple and see all those vessels I just have to believe that someone 
wanted to ask, well, where did you get that? Wow. Where did you get this? From the mud. From the mud. That's where we got this. And you know what? When we stand in our finest moment, whenever or wherever that may be, and someone says, where did you get that? God will just have to say, from the mud. From the mud. There was a treasure in the clay. Praise God. Let's stand. If you look at the 22nd chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll see a very interesting story. Here, um, David has been running from his life, from his hero in the Lord, Saul. His trusted leader had been on more than one occasion desperately trying to kill him. Finally, David finds a place that he can run and find at least for a season some measure of safety. However, David had no way of knowing what was about to happen next. 1 Samuel 22 and 1, And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. In verse 2, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And they were with him about 400 men. What an incompetent group of people. These were all malcontents in Israel. The Bible says they were in debt, they were discontented. <laughs> but David said, I'm going to put you in boot camp. In dealing with these 400, David is about to learn how to rule over the 12 separate tribes of Israel. He was going to learn how to train an army and these men were going to become the best army in all of Israel. God was preparing David for his future. And you know, sometimes God deliberately sends these type folks into our own lives to deal with, to train, to work. Amen. They were distressed. They were in debt. They were discontent. But you see, if David had just looked around and accepted them and took them at face value, <laughs> he might have tried to find a little cliff to jump off of. But David, somewhere in his heart, said, you know what, I'm just going to start working with what I got. I'm just going to start molding what I have and shaping what I have. I'm so glad the Lord didn't give up on me. Oh, my. I'm so glad he didn't give up on me. I'm so glad that he looked beyond what was wrong and just saw a tiny spot of what may be workable. And he gave himself to that. Amen. I wonder if we could just worship the Lord. Amen. Would we just worship him? Really, I'm being serious. Can we just worship the Lord right now? Jesus. I love you so very, very, very much. Hallelujah. I don't know how you see yourself today. I don't know where you score yourself today. I don't know how you rate yourself today. But when the Lord found us, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot there.
But thank God he just kept working with us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.